Let's pray together. We pray that this old sign reenacted might come anew for us this day, that we can receive it and grasp some corner of its mystery and begin to live into this deep, deep truth. In the name of the resurrection and life, we pray. Amen. I know I've got some uh, compadres in the room when I say to you that I am an aisle man. Uh, One of the great mutinies of our church uh, happened uh, a little over a year ago when we moved to three services and took away the extra chairs that were lying the side because those gave other people extra sort of aisle seats that they could uh, claim as their own. Those of you who are aisle people will probably let, you know, 10 or 11 people uh, climb over you rather than forfeit your place right on the aisle. I'm, si- I'm looking at some of you who are nodding guiltily right now. I get it. I get it. I'm an aisle man, whether it's in church or on an airplane or at a ball game or in a meeting or even in a conversation. I don't like to be cornered. I like an exit. Most of us do. We like to have a way to kind of get out quickly. A loophole, an out, an equivocation, a grace period. And then along comes death. Some of you in the room think you're bulletproof when it comes to death. You scoff at it. But others of you in the room have been among those who have received that call out of the blue. Letting you know that someone you deeply love has gone from life to death. Just in an instant. And your world is utterly changed. Or others of you have gotten that call from the doctor inviting you to come in and Interpret the report that came back from your test. For you, you know that death is not just a possibility in life. It is, for every one of us, an inevitability. Whether death comes like a thief in the night, as Jesus said, or whether it's a slow-moving storm that rolls across the West Texas plains that you can watch for an hour before it arrives, it will come. When it comes, it feels like a dead end. There's no exit. No negotiation, no mulligans like in golf, no dodging the bullet. There is no exit. So of all the things, of all the truths that Jesus Christ came into the world to bring to us, the most profound and central is about life and death. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. Which is to say that life is about more than breathing or beating hearts or brain waves. That life is a dynamic gift of grace that transcends our physicality even as it participates with and works with our humanness and our physicality. Life, if we will 
allow ourselves to be led is bigger than we ever imagined. It opens us, if we are willing, to more than what we tend to see and observe and take in in our day-to-day lives. And death? The exit that is marked death, Jesus transforms from a dead end into an entrance into a whole new world. I tried to think of a way to... um, convey this and like you I've been watching a lot of basketball lately so I've seen multiple times this crazy Budweiser commercial where the cute girl says to the guy if I give you this beer are you up for whatever happens next now I'm an old man and it doesn't look like a lot of fun to me but he ends up in a in a limousine with a bunch of girls he ends up on a dance floor he ends up in an elevator with a llama he ends up uh playing ping pong with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then all of a sudden is on the stage at a rock concert. Whatever happens next, Jesus says, death is not a dead end. It is whatever happens next. And it's probably crazier and more wonderful than we can ever imagine. When we begin to imagine When we begin to live into this way, this truth, this life, when we begin to believe that there is resurrection and life, we're drawn into this whole new way of seeing our life. You students are drawn into a new way of seeing school. Those of us who work are drawn into a whole new way of of encountering the challenges that are before us. Those of us who live in families are, are, are given a whole new set of eyes to see our relationships, our communion in a radically different way. We become less desperate to win and to acquire and to conquer and to make our mark and more able to embody this resurrection and life that is free. And risk-taking and self-giving, it changes everything. We become less desperate and more able to give. We become more devoted to playing our part in this great drama of God's resurrection and less anxious about where we live in terms of our home, in terms of our city, and also in terms of this realm Or the next. The Apostle Paul got there. He got to that place where he could write to the Philippians and say, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So that I'm hard pressed to know whether to remain here in the flesh and to be a blessing or to go on and to be with Christ. He saw the dead end as an exit, or even better, as a new beginning. This strange, counterintuitive, liberating way of seeing life. That's why we gather. That's what it means when we say, Jesus Christ is Lord. We're not just trying to appease an angry God in heaven so that we can go to heaven when we die. We're talking about living here in a radically different frame. A new way of seeing and acting 
and reacting. The Gospel writer John records seven signs that Jesus did in his ministry. At each, each one of these signs is in response to a kind of mini dead end that the people have confronted. They've run out of wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. The official's son has died and there's no one to speak to this death. There is a paralytic who is kind of captured by the pool of Bethesda who can't get in before others get in before him. There are the 5,000 who have come to listen to Jesus and there's no place to feed them and no food to feed them. There's the storm in the middle of the sea and the disciples wondering, does God not care? There's the blind man. And then there's finally this story of Lazarus. Each one a kind of dead end. But when Jesus comes, the dead end is turned into an exit. Jesus makes them aisle people. Capable of moving to a different place. In fact, maybe exit's not the right word. Maybe entrance is the right word. So the wedding that's out of wine suddenly has six large jars of wine. The best wine. The man stuck by the pool of Bethesda, is suddenly given the capacity with just a word to be healed and raised and able to walk again. The people hungry on the hillside, everyone fed. 5,000 men and women and children and 12 baskets of food left over. Extravagance. The people, the disciples, out in the middle of the storm, Jesus walks out to them and says to the Storm, peace, be still. He opens the eyes of the blind man. And then in this final sign, he raises Lazarus, four days dead, as a sign to say there is more. There is life. In the previous chapter, Jesus had said, The thief comes to destroy and steal, but I have come that you might have life in abundance. What does this mean? What's it mean for people in the year 2014 to talk about abundant life? Is it not the capacity to live larger than the world? To see exits where the world sees dead ends? As a miracle... This was an impressive miracle. To raise a man from dead to alive again, that's pretty impressive. But let us remember that what Jesus did that day was not resurrection. It was a sign. It was resuscitation. Lazarus eventually died again. So at Easter, we don't celebrate the resurrection of Lazarus. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But this miracle points to more. It points to this exit in the dead end that transforms our lives. And so let me ask, how can we find that exit in the dead ends of life? This week someone sent me a video of Tyler the Creator. It's a graphic, violent, misogynistic video. 
just awful. And for a moment, I felt my spirit just begin to shrivel. But then the resurrection and life ask, where is the exit in this dead end? What could God do? And who would God do it through? I hear of people's lives who are stuck. I see, hear of people who can't find that meaningful work, who can't find purpose in their lives. I hear of families who are struggling. And I ask the question, where's the exit in this dead end? Where is their resurrection and life? I hear of people who are stuck in all kinds of grief. People who are stuck with the shame of having been uh, abused as children. And I wonder, how can resurrection and life be real? For them. You, like me, hear the news from Wall Street that the economic systems and the, even our political speech seems rigged in favor of the wealthy. We hear about how health care systems and hospital systems are rigged to in, in, exploit the uninsured. We hear about how tax loops allow billions of dollars, billions of dollars, to go in places where it's safe and protected from tax while schools and communities languish. And we wonder, where's the good news? Where's the possibility of resurrection and life? And I've had my own experience in recent weeks of seeing how the legal system is rigged against the poor and the voiceless. And we could go on and on. Perhaps even now you're thinking about your own life those places that threaten to be a dead end. Is there a sign today? It's nice to read the story of Jesus long ago raising Lazarus, but is there a sign today? There is a sign. You are attending it today. It is us. It is the church. We are the body of Christ sent into this world to bear witness to resurrection and life and hope and peace and harmony and unity among brothers and sisters. I don't have to tell you that it's not easy. The lectionary was, reading was long, the scripture from John 11. They cut it off at uh, where they did, but I, I wish it had included verse 53 where John makes this observation. So from that day, John says, the day that Lazarus was raised, the religious leaders planned to put Jesus to death. From that day, they saw what happened, and they knew instinctively, Instantly, the system somehow knows we've got, to, we've got to stop this. We've got to squelch this sign of life because the principalities and powers know that it is hard to control and constrain and con those of us who are liberated by resurrection and life. They try. The story of young Moses, the baby where Pharaoh's out to kill him, The story of 
Saul trying to kill David, the story of the prophets being stoned, the story of John the Baptist being beheaded, the story of Jesus right after his birth, King Herod looking for him to kill him, climaxing with Holy Week and Good Friday, Jesus being crucified, but it goes on. These windows remind us of the cloud of witness, of those who have gone on before and have heard and felt, even in their own bodies, the force and powers of the principalities trying to stop the word of life and love and liberation. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. The powers and principalities will always lose in the end. Let me say it again. They will always lose. Fear and greed and hatred and violence and exploitation will always lose. And resurrection and life will always win. The film industry knows this. They tell us the story again and again. In the Hunger Games, the capital is trying to squelch the people and remind them of who is, is in charge. They've created these faux games, the, and the ill-fated contestants enter this fake world that is set up within a force field. It is, for them, a dead end. It is either kill or be killed. But Katniss learns there's a place within the force field where there's a flaw, a weakness. There's a wavy space that she can even detect with her naked eye. And so in one of those moves that only happens in the movies, a wire is attached to the tree. The other end of the wire is affixed to her arrow, which she shoots with her mighty bow high up into the sky, into that vulnerable place, that wavy spot, that weak spot in the force field, just as the tree is struck by lightning and the system is blown. And on the other side of that crumbling fake world are helicopters ready to rescue Katniss and others and take them to a whole new place where there's possibility and life. Is that just a movie? Or is there a truth within this world that Jesus Christ embodies and hands to us to live out in this world. The Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey, tells another story about a man who has grown from his birth on a reality TV show that he has no knowledge of. Truman lives in a world that is surrounded by little hidden cameras, so that his every move through life, through his childhood, his adolescence, his young adult years, are all recorded, and every day people tune in to see the latest in the life of Truman. Truman has no knowledge that his wife, his colleagues at work, everything about the world he lives in is all fake. They're all actors. But somewhere around the age of 30... Truman begins to catch on. And he begins to recognize that there is more to life. There's another level of life, and he wants it. And so Truman overcomes his phobia of water. 
And he commandeers a sailboat. And he goes out to the edge of the water. And he looks out and all he can see is water. As far as he can see. He has no idea what's beyond it. But he sets out on his sailboat. But as he sails toward the horizon, he suddenly bumps into a wall painted as a horizon. He reaches the end of the fake world. And at that very place, there's a door. And the movie ends with Truman standing in front of the door, wondering, can I go through this door? And what's on the other side? I am the resurrection and the life, said Jesus. Jesus also said in the previous chapter, I am the door. The question for us today, is the door a dead end? Or is it an entrance into a whole new world? So we gather this day at this table as a witness to the truth that the resurrection and life is more than theological language. It is deep truth. We come to the table not because we've graduated or earned our way. We come because grace invites you, invites all people who are Christ's followers, whether a member of this church or another or none, to come and be part of the community of love. By your coming, you are bearing witness that the one who gave his body for us said to you and me, you are the body of Christ. So let us prepare now to come to the table of love and mercy by standing together and saying to friend, family, or stranger near you these words, may the peace of Christ be with you and also with you.